Welcome to the Legion Podcast, the official podcast for Legion, I'm calling it, on FX. I'm Jason. And I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this is Legion Podcast, episode three. How did you guys like this episode in general before we get going on the specifics? Uh, I, I like it. I, I thought it was really atmospheric, and it, it felt tense at points. Um, I'm kind of not totally on board with the idea that it was scary, per se, um, as a lot of people seem to think it is. But I was a little disappointed with the lack of movement on the plot. Mm-hmm. It, it really felt like it was sort of, bit you repetitive. know, it, maybe shedding a little bit more light on things that we already knew, kind of the basics of. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, like, I, I did enjoy it. I, I was not looking at the time while I was watching it. I really, you know, I had a good time with it. I um I liked it a little bit more than Jim because I feel like that there is a lot of room to slow down and kind of because this relationship between Sid and and uh, David is so was so rushed and kind of like just getting by on charisma and chemistry that I'm I'm glad of opportunities for them to, to slow down and talk about like you know one of my highlights is the scene where they're talking about what it was like to body swap and i thought that was good and helped kind of sell the relationship but on the other hand it's also a negative because i continue to think that they're relying a little too much on this like love at first sight deal that these guys are mm-hmm. are having and they unfortunately read too old for that like they both need to be about 10 years younger for me to really believe that they really believe that mm-hmm. even if i'm grading on well these are weird mutants <laughs> of lead sheltered lives and i, I almost uh, feel like they're uh, uh, it, now that you're mentioning that same but they're maybe stunted emotionally a little bit because totally of what they've been through yeah yeah especially for on, on david's side um mm-hmm. but but still you know it's it's yeah. it's a it's a prejudice or bias i have I know. I mean, I feel kind of the same. Like the plot could, there were a few things that I didn't like, but the atmosphere and the relationships and the acting and the chemistry was good enough. And the, and the freakiness, like you said, Jim, or the scariness that it made it a nice place to be, to sit and just hang out for a little while. So that really (laughs) saved it for me. But I was sitting there with Jenny watching it and she like halfway through goes, I feel like I need to be high. And I'm like, oh, man, you just ruined it for me. <laughs> so you like, busted out the frog. So you got the frog yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. the eyedropper. So pulled out the frog. And, man, it was so good after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the top three highlights. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Uh, so I, I just wanted to, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it up front, but it was it is sort of rough to go a whole week without not a ton of new info on the plot. Um, and I actually think... Like it wouldn't bother me nearly as much if this wasn't a week by week show, if it was sort of like a Netflix format show. You could just yeah. binge it, right? I I would be like, okay, that was cool. I I really enjoyed the atmosphere and the feeling that that episode gave me. On to the next one where I'm going to find out something substantial. Uh, so you know, I mean, the show maybe suffers from its format a little bit, but ultimately, I think they're doing interesting things and. And I do appreciate shows when they can reveal sort of piece by piece the equation here. And I'm and I'm not just kind of given a whole information dump. I just, I don't know if it lines up so much with my recent viewing habits as far as like week by week shows versus Netflix stuff. Yeah, Netflix has, um, Netflix and before that, just going through a whole DVD series has uh, yeah. kind of... A, change the way that we process tv 
Yeah, and I think some of some of the new info that we did get, um, we found out a little bit more about the eye. Right, he used to be a student potentially of yeah. Miss Bird. His last uh, name is Walter, Bird. or his first name is Walter. No, no, Walter. no, no good is ever done in the name of a Walter. Which I, man, I really hated that David cut her off because I wanted to know more. I was so angry. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, you know, why are you telling me this very relevant information <laughs> about the big bad? Let's. What does this have to do with my sister? I'm like, fucker knowledge is power man shut up <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and we found out that uh, melanie and her husband had or melanie's husband and carrie had opened this whole center as uh what was it as a retreat or something a horse ranch it was uh, a direct com- com- a direct competition to charles xavier's school for gifted youngsters <laughs> yeah. yeah she saw him getting all the press and was like nope uh-uh and this down is the, to the X-shaped windows. Yeah, down to the X motif, <laughs> right. yep. The school for not quite as gifted youngsters, uh-huh. but still pretty gifted. It's the community college. Of, yeah. You know, he's, he's, Charles is more Ivy League. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and we found out that, you know, David might, in fact, be mentally ill. I mean, there might be they, a little bit of true uh, mental illness mixed in here with his powers. They, they did put some more information back on that side of the scale this episode, I thought. Yeah. Which oh, part? Keeps, what, what, what was it made you think that? Uh, well... Okay, so we know that there's the angriest boy who is also haunting David's memories, and he himself in the episode questions it, right? Like, don't be so quick to to say that I'm completely normal because Mm -hmm. you don't quite know the whole situation here, whereas David does, even if it's just subconsciously. But they're also showing that, you know, this yellow bastard, I'm going to start calling him, um, (laughs) whatever entity is behind that, and maybe that's that and the big head paper mache Michael Fassbender character is related. Um, that 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 is there's some outside force that is messing with David's mind. It's also messing with the ability of the memory manipulator in ways that they've not discovered or or, or even understand. And that actually those two monsters in his memories might in fact be the same mm-hmm. thing, a symptom of the same thing, right? Like you can see mm-hmm. in the the scene where. Uh, Sid's being chased through the vents that mm-hmm. the the angriest boy turns into the yellow-eyed monster, so... Right. Or the, the demon with the yellow eyes. Which sort... And, you know, go, reading through the book, I always felt like it's referring to David, too. I mean, especially uh-huh. the implication that maybe he killed his own mother. So maybe hmm. those these are all aspects of his own psyche. We also find out that David only fondled Sid's boobs while he was in her body. That's a very important piece so of So he says. He peed. He peed, too. That's true. So he says. Well, he didn't do anything he didn't have to. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't really take advantage of the opportunities presented him. Who wouldn't want to, to swap bodies with the... I, I've, I've always thought it'd be interesting to see what it's, the, the, what it's actually like. Like, you know, what, what are cramps actually like? I want, uh, do women wonder, like, what being kicked in the balls feel like? <laughs> What's it like to be penetrated? <laughs> rather penetrate. Spoiler alert: it, Not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I, I just I I wouldn't. It's it's things like it's a, it's a binary existence for most of us, and we yeah. don't get to, to to see if the grass is greener on the other side of the street. I'm I'm envious of these two getting this opportunity, and also um, like they're pussyfooting around it. But like, yeah, man, I imagine if you're a, like a woman, like why wouldn't you take take that thing for a test run? <sighs> 
Well, if, I know. If you're a guy, like, there's no shame. Like, it's like you're, you're, you're the first man on the moon to be like Neil Armstrong, be like, you know, I, I looked at a crater, but I, uh, I didn't actually, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I put a footprint there, but then I got right back in the ship and I was, I behaved myself. Like, fucking explore <laughs> no, the world, man. man. Yeah. If pe- real people in the real world, if a body swap happens, you're heading right to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When she started making the jerk off motion, I'm like, yes, yeah. finally. But then they're yeah. like, oh, what, you, you, is that too risque for this show? About? I know. Well, this was part of my, my number two that I was going to go into, uh, part of it anyway. Uh, what, so this is an interesting power, like, interpersonally, because assuming she could control David's power, couldn't they just body swap back and forth while they bang? Oh, swap back and forth for it. Yeah. Right, right. Swapping back and forth forever. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that might actually be kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, we might get there, but, you know, she said she's been in the body of a 300-pound woman, a right. Chinese man, and somebody Five-year-old else. girl. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, but we know she doesn't, she really, really doesn't want to do that. So, I imagine it mm-hmm. has kind of a crazy impact on her that she... But, but I guess you're right, though. If she was going to experiment with it, then it would be with her partner there. Yeah, so much she trusts. Do you think they're, and you know, since we're asking Puritan questions, uh, Puritan <laughs> questions, do you think they're going to dream bang since we found that she can oh, dream touch David's dream child? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that's going to be uh, how they get the uh, the physical intimacy problems of their right. relationship? Could be. I was thinking latex body stockings. All right. Mm. So you're essentially naked gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, since we're talking about twisted things, uh, well, I guess when I, I guess it is not necessarily twisted, but it's reminding That's me judgment. of a scene where they're in his mind and she sees him fucking his girlfriend mm-hmm. with little child David hiding on the other side of the bed. I thought if you're going to do... Uh, an episode exploring kind of exploring the psyche like that. That was really great because it was kind of twisted and sad. And it actually reminded me, uh, this is total TMI, but of a time when I was a kid and I, uh, got scared and went snuck into my parents' room oh, and I no. had to sneak out again. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. The infiltrate and exfiltrate without yeah. it being detected. Like, back to the boogie monster. That'd be better. <laughs> Anyway, all right, we're going all over the place, but let's go to Aaron. What's your number three? Uh, okay, because we kind of walked on a variety of issues. I'm gonna. Mm. This isn't exactly a highlight. This is something that I just want to talk about, uh, which is as I alluded to, David and Sid's relationship, because they once they, they asserted at the end um, of the episode that you know he loved her and. I also felt like because Jim and I watched this episode together and during that speech, because he said very adamantly, like, look, this is my personal process and it's nothing personal, but I need to do it alone, which is a perfect valid thing for someone to say. Like, you know, anytime you're going through something intensely personal and private, like you can reject people's help. And she she goes off in a huff. She goes off in a huff, which, okay, whatever. You know, they're they're again playing emotionally mature, immature people. Uh, but then they have this kind of heart to heart at the end, and she asked him whether he loves her or not. And he says yes. She goes, "Well, that's that's all that needs to be said." I took that as her accepting his decision to do this alone. Like she was, she was, she she heard the explanation and and she was fine with it. Jim said, "No, no, that was just her talking him and letting." And then, of course, the next scene there, she's 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 right in there in the dream sequence with. Um, 
I, I I didn't like all that, and also some of the interesting things that were going on, like you mentioned them walking in metaphorically and really on him banging his ex girlfriend. Like, oh, what a weird experience that would be. And then there's also this thing where he says, like, all that matters is Amy, my sister. And then they cut to her, and she had this weird look on her face, like, what am I, chopped liver? I'm wondering, hmm. like, am, am I correct into picking up all these discordant um, aspects of their relationship? Is this just kind of muddled storytelling? Uh, is this, sh- you know, grinding gears as they're shifting between the early stages of this infatuation and then actually getting to know each other as people? Like, what what are you guys' thoughts on all that? And I mean, then, and what did you think of that scene? I'll let you be the tiebreaker. I mean, obviously. Well, here's what I thought is that, you know, she he seemed really nervous. Like, you don't if you see what I did, it's bad and you're going to think differently of me. And then hmm. she said do you love me? He said, yeah, well, that's all that matters or whatever she said. I thought that was just her saying, I don't care what you did. I'm still going to love you if you love me, <laughs> which is sort of a teeny thing to teenager thing to, to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sure. I didn't even consider whether that meant that he was then going to be okay with her coming in. But now that I think about it, I think it is because she affirmed to him, it doesn't matter what you did. So maybe he would be more likely to let her in. Yeah, but I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, it's not about your acceptance of my process or not. Like, it's also about my acceptance of the process because I don't even know the things that, uh, that I'm about to go through. Right. So how mm-hmm. the hell can you, when, when, when I don't even know if it's safe for me, how can you just like, it just seems very hand-waving and disrespectful, which... Of her? Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely meant to be like, you know, oh, I'm there for you, boo, and all that. But it also it just feels like someone just well, saying, oh, well, what you think and feel and your fears are irrelevant because we love each other and that's okay. And I don't know. That's a very tropey kind of romance thing to do. But also this show is realistic enough that maybe that's a sign of potential problems too. You know, the way they played it, it did not feel to me like she was saying, okay, well, that's enough. You know, it's okay. I'll go with you. It was more like he was really afraid of – yeah. And she was just like, don't worry. You know? Yeah. I, and I, th- I think, yeah. um, you know, David, David is having a tough time, you know, dealing with all the information that's being dumped on him, let alone trying to navigate this new relationship. And I think, you know, there's the mm-hmm. fear that it will go the same way that his previous relationship did with Philly. Uh, Philly's her name, right? Yeah. His yeah. girlfriend. Uh, she lives in Philadelphia. It's very confusing. I know. It's super, <laughs> super confusing. A nice little Philly. Uh but yeah yeah, i think that's the big problem here is he's so unsure about everything in his life at this moment and trying to stack love on top of that that's tough all right let me get into my number three which is also the stuff with sid and david and i think one good thing about this show is it it instead of being a typical superhero show it kind of humanizes the ramifications of having superpowers Mm-hmm. explores them in a kind of grounded, relatable way. And that scene by the lake <clears throat> where David was talking about how he still feels her hair or his center of gravity feels different. That was really interesting to me because, you know, the whole thing about their relationship is it's sort of tragic. They can't touch each other, but in a way, because of these powers, they've had a more intimate experience than anybody else ever. They, they were each right. other. Wow. Oh, indeed. Yeah. And it was sweet, you know, it was kind of a sweet way. And he was talking about looking in the mirror, seeing you being able to hold your hand. 
Uh, he keeps saying these sweet romantic things and they could easily be cloying, but I think it's played pretty well. So it just seems kind of like, oh, that's nice. Um, and then the whole thing of them not being able to touch, but still getting close during intimate moments had a tension, uh, maybe a sexual tension or a romantic tension. And I like that. And the show doesn't hit on that too hard either, but it, it plays with it a little bit. She blows him a kiss and uh, mm-hmm. so and, and it feels like sometimes I know, you know, when you can't have something, you want it even more. So I'm getting sure. that feeling from their relationship. On the other hand, after a while, I think it was clear I was never going to be able to touch my girlfriend. I might want to go get a new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hasn't hit that stage yet. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but And she's been dealing with it her entire life. So she's well aware. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I think those scenes are. You know, not only do they feel natural and they feel uh, honest, but they're also pretty funny at times. You know, I mean, yes, absolutely. Dan Stevens does a great job there in that scene, you know, just waving his hands around like he's got this pretend hair that kind of made me chuckle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought, yeah, there were a few really good moments there. There were some funny moments like when they're in the kitchen revisiting that memory and he just yelled at his girlfriend and. They're like, what? what is this? And he goes, oh, we fought a lot, so I'm not exactly sure which time this was. And then the cover uh-huh. starts shaking and the bagel thing pops open. Oh, oh, it's this one. Yeah, the bad one. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, Red Flag 1, this woman lives in the 21st century and owns a bread box. <laughs> what? Doesn't she dress like she's from the 60s, too? Like, There's a little bit like her. his his sister has a weirdly 70s kind of look to her. Like, yeah. you know, we talked about how this show is kind of timeless, but a fucking bread box. Like once they invented the plastic bag, bread boxes, I'm sure bread box was <laughs> a quantum improvement over leaving your loaf of bread on the counter. Uh-huh. But it ain't airtight. It ain't going to keep your bread from getting stale and crusty. And it's essentially should be called a crouton manufacturing box. That's what it's going to do. It's going to turn bread objects into dried out husks. (laughs) So you're saying if you were Jerry Seinfeld, you'd break up with her right away. Yeah, yeah. You see a bread box and might know you keep and and you actually use it to keep bagels in. That's a deal breaker. (laughs) Jim, you kind of went into your number two already, right? Uh, Yeah. So I want to talk more there. Kind of about the powers as we understand them so far. And, you know, we'll leave SIDS on the table. We kind of talked about it. But David, uh, we found out a couple things in this episode. So we sort of knew that he can teleport himself and others, right? Because we saw Sid do it when she was in his body. Mm-hmm. Um, this he tends episode, to do it only when he's not even consciously there. That I think that's yeah. the only times we've seen it so far. I think you're right about that. Um so this episode firmed that up a lot. We saw we saw it happen a couple times. Yeah. Uh, one other thing we learned that he can do is he can sort of astral project himself and mm-hmm. others as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember if that was coming out of one of his dreams or when he was when he was in one of his memories, rather, or if that is something he did while wide awake. Uh, yeah, I, I think didn't even know I think if that was, was wide on awake. purpose in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seemed like they just appeared where his sister was, but they I, I don't remember them intentionally well, it's, trying it was, to do that. So what it was happened is he had gotten injected to die, and they were hooking him up to the machine and doing tests, and he started just they, – yeah. they asked him to think of something stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, he saw his sister being tortured, and then he kind of like levitated in a Christ pose, 
and she <laughs> ran in there with him, and suddenly she started levitating, and bam, they astrally oh, okay. project. Got oh, it. he goes into like some vortex thing. Yeah, yeah. like there's a supernova of light that then explodes, and bam, they're they're ghostly. They're go- they're they're ghosts in his sister's interrogation room. And also, the eye can sort of see them and yeah. tries to grab them. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind of so- like how I heard you guys when we tried to start this recording. <laughs> we're from a, we're at the end of a very long tube, almost as if we were speaking through copper and glass wire from Cincinnati to San Francisco. Uh, that yeah, this is interesting. And then they they also kind of like shut down that because they're like, well, you can't ever do it again because if you do, either they're going to catch you and kill you, or they'll follow you back and they'll kill all of us. What good is it to tell someone they can't do something if they don't even understand how they did it? Well, I mean, he was seemed like that. He's he like, well, that's a solution. And, yeah, go yeah. Get like, it. I want to try it again. They're like, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Shut that part of you down. Okay, so don't try it again. But it still might happen again. Get, getting yeah. real mixed messages uh, from <laughs> these people. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the the cool thing about the show is a lot of stuff is out of his control. So mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to go wrong or what's going to happen. What are they doing to his sister while we're on this topic? Because I noticed she had these, like, red welts all over her face and her exposed skin. Jim joked that, like, they're putting cigarettes out on her. Do we (laughs) know what, in fact, they're actually doing to her there other than, you know, laying on massive guilt trips? I don't know. What did they ask her? What were they I mean, asking her? They're just trying to find out where David is. Right, yeah. and they're trying to get emotional leverage over by saying mm-hmm. that, like, you know, you thought he was crazy all this time. He was actually suffering from out-of-control mutant genes. Oh, Don't yeah. Don't you feel bad? We need to shut it down before he does the Yeah, damage. yeah. You, you left. You, this is all your fault, essentially. Right. Um, yeah, so aside from just trying to break her down, I don't. I don't know if we know the specifics, whether they use the worms or whatever. Or Oh, or yeah, it's the worms, isn't it? It would be the leeches. Oh, is that where yeah, they... So, okay. Yeah. All right, but but we never... We we have the promise of the SETI Alpha 5 eels, but we never got to see them in use. Not yet. And, but you're right. Those, those do look like, oof, boy, just leeches wriggling. It's, it's like the scene from Metalocalypse when they're... <laughs> <laughs> right doing the leech therapy and this this uh, like is she going to go full on uh what they call um, with the leeches all in her face it was uh <laughs> anyway you know one thing that kind of did not sit well for me is this is going on she's getting leeched and meanwhile david's making goo goo eyes at sid and meditating and they're gonna try to get in enough therapy that he'll be put together enough to go i mean you know it just seems like wow your sister might be what did lenny say getting gang banged by commandos you'd think at yeah. least david would be a little more flustered about the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> but they needed to have that nice calm romantic moment so it just didn't it, it, every time i thought about the sister being in imminent danger it seemed like they were being a little bit lackadaisical about the whole thing yeah, it's like, you know, I talked about the Empire Strikes Back nature of it. It's almost like if in between, you know, Luke getting up on his X-Wing and saying he's taken off, then he, like, climbs back down and has, like, a 30-minute talk with Obi-Wan, and then it's like, no, I, I, you know, we got to get back to Leia and Han, and then, you know. He has oh, lunch. Or- right. It's like, he goes, well, but I got this, you know, the stew I've made, and, and it just keeps getting. Root leaf. Just, right, yeah. <laughs> develop your character we must uh so yeah there it's a weird it's always weird when you um and i've seen a lot of shows do this i forget the last one where 
you introduce like an existential threat or a threat that a character would take very very seriously and then you're constantly cutting away from it and kind of ignoring the problem that i think that um a lot of the marvel comic properties on netflix suffer from that like you know daredevil's aware of some supernatural ninja clan digging into the bowels of the earth but let's spend a couple episodes hold up with electric apartment talk about how we feel about that like you know <laughs> uh what do you what are you gonna do there's there's not much you can do because the world's ending uh got got to be about that you know uh so i guess it's why does that happen why does that happen i mean i guess it's because they try you know they construct this episode as carefully as they can and they they hit upon some moments that they really like that don't quite fit but they're just like well we got to get this out it so. is. and as if i was a showrunner i'd never make a show because i would get yeah. to something like that and i'd just be like well unsolvable unsolvable you can't <laughs> the tonal shifts and Shut the, down the production the, yeah you can't do it everybody go home i thought we had something here whereas i think i think some people just power through it and it's yeah. worth it like and you don't even you don't even notice it maybe in the first viewing but mm-hmm. um so uh i'm bitching but, but you gotta listen a to a podcast so we can ruin it for you exactly right. next uh, i want to talk about the essential like noah holliness of this episode because like the whole opening with gene smart listening to a robot coffee maker tell her this uh-huh. fable of the poor woodcutter and his wife yeah what the hell did that mean in was terms, that I mean, it serves several purposes. It re- introduced the idea that this was her husband's voice, and she's pouring out coffee just so she can hear him tell this story. Which I wasn't immediately clear, but it, like it became clear, so it could serve just as that purpose. But you know, that's that's a fun game we played on Fargo. What the hell does Burden's ass mean? You know what? What mm-hmm. like like he's always got these cryptic, you know, fables or logic puzzles. Um, or morality things that somehow loosely tie into the plot. But for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how uh, this this orphan girl who transformed on a, on a swan, if you ever looked at her making wood cuttings, I don't, I don't get how this is analogous to David or Sid or anything, really. It seemed like me it was a cautionary tale, potentially. It was pretty vague, but... The girl comes, well, first the woodcutter frees the crane, then this girl comes for shelter, and then they like her, and she stays and makes clothes for them that they can sell at a high price, but she doesn't want them to watch. And then they peek, and she flies away. So I thought the peeking in on her was sort of like peeking in on David. And Mm. so I don't know why, but maybe if you examine something too much or try to quote-unquote fix it, it could ruin it. Especially, I guess that ties in with the theme of them using David. Yeah, like yeah. she, like, oh yeah, I want to get him healthy, and he's an individual. Yeah, but right. then I want to use him. So well, he's it's, the swan or the crane. Yeah, I mean, he he seems to be the crane in this allegory. Um, you know, they they set she will set him free if she can help him. You know, overcome the mental issues and understand his powers and stuff like that, and then he will potentially come back and help them, unless it's for uh, unless it's something that he's kind of forced into doing. And then he might fly away. Mm. Also, when Melanie is looking through the angry boy book and she puts her hand on the picture of a city or a village on fire and the opposing page had some text that we haven't heard before and her head is obscuring it so we can't really see it, but we can see part of it. It's something heard, something angry boy, something free as a bird, something at Mm. him, and then in all caps looking at you which i was pretty creepy because that was right before the 
book slammed on her hand. But it said Freeze mm-hmm. Bird in there, so I thought maybe that might have tied it in a little bit. And also yeah. the yellow bastard was looming over her the mm-hmm. whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole time, which no one can see except for David and then Sid later on. Hmm. Yeah. They seem to have a feeling of it, though, didn't they, Melanie and Batonomy? I feel like, yeah, I feel like they yeah. can see the effects it's having on the memory and the dream, but they can't discern the cause. Like, they can see the, like, pictures falling off the wall, but they can't see the enormous red crack that's forming and the claws coming out of it. And it seems like maybe the demon also has some control over the memories when they're in them, uh, because, you know, what, what's his name? Talonomy? Coloscopy? he's unable to take them out of that memory uh it, mm-hmm. without significant strain mm-hmm. um it, it seemed to me like david at that point was not keeping them there that it might have been the the demon with the yellow eyes mm-hmm. yeah i'm not ever sure when to trust him though when they say right are you resisting no yeah i don't even think he can trust how can he trust himself like that's the uh-huh. essential question like we're I think because we've all bought in the Jim's delusion that this is he's not mentally ill and it's just all uh it's just all mutant <laughs> power. I think we're resistant to the idea that this yellow demon is anything but a sinister mutant force. But there's nothing that says that it's not another darker part of David's um psyche that doesn't yeah. want to be bothered. Like oh, this yeah. is because yeah. they especially when no. they're like, Well, we need to lower his defenses by putting him in sedation. Well, you know, if the yellow demon's part of him, that's part of his defenses that are being lowered. So I still, I'm putting like keeping one foot on the he's maybe crazy split yep. personality. Absolutely, yeah. I don't uh, think any of us have bought into Jim's delusion, including Jim. <laughs> I have a delusion. Yeah, I'm, I I don't know. I'm losing faith in my delusions. <laughs> Here, grab grab these two metal rods. We're going to go explore. <laughs> oh boy, we're going to go on a, a memory museum quest. I'm in. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, because here's the thing: is uh, you know, I was thinking, what are they? What are they exactly trying to do? Well, she says, you know, I want to go into your memories and f- show you that the times when you thought it was your illness, it was actually your power manifesting yourself, and B find out what triggered that so we can control it. Mm-hmm. And to me, if something triggers you, that means there's something there that's not fully healthy. And and so that sort of implies that there's something about him that can be triggered that doesn't have anything to do with the powers. I don't know if that made sense, but I think that he's a troubled person <laughs> independently of the powers. Maybe the powers brought it on somehow, but it feels mm-hmm. like it's all, you know, inextricably bound and you can't just say, oh, no, no, he's not mentally at all. It's just the powers. Well, I want to know what her power is because I, I don't know where she's getting her information about David. How does she know more about David than David knows about himself? Is this from the research that they've been doing on him? Is this from the eye? Yeah, because where's it coming even, from? I'm, I'm going to posit that I don't think Melody has. That's her name, right? Melanie. Yeah. Melanie. Melanie. I don't think she has any powers. I think she's like a Moira McTarget type, McTaggart type. Okay. That wait, nothing in the last fifteen years, Jason has shown that Moira is a mutant. Is she? No. Okay. That's like, that's like <laughs> it would it would make perfect sense for the fuckers at Marvel to retcon, and now she's got all kinds of mutant powers. Um, but anyway, uh, like that that maybe her husband was a mutant, and that shows like her interest and mm-hmm. in her continuing her her husband's. You know, well, I, I don't want to make it seem like you know she doesn't have any agency, but like that's something they're both interested in because he was a mutant, and right. be, since it's been three episodes and she hasn't manifested anything, she's just kind of 
in on the ride. She's not reading his mind. She's not jumped in there with any like mm-hmm. fancy medical powers. She isn't like soothing. Like I, I feel like that maybe she's just the normal, just the therapist. Yeah, that is that is that mm-hmm. is run. You know, and for whatever reason, her husband's died because of something with his mutation, or maybe they're both normal, and that was just the thing that they uh, bonded over their re- their shared passion for the research. And the uh, guy that they that he opened the place with, Carrie, is I mean, we saw his power this time. Now we know why he's talking to himself because mm-hmm. Miss Carrie jumped right into his body. So at least yeah. we know he was a mutant and maybe her husband was just a friend of his or maybe he was a mutant, too. We don't know. And then we didn't talk about this when we were talking about um, Walter, but we also found out that he was a student at this not Xavier Institute at one time. Right. Uh-huh. But he wanted and to hurt people. He wanted to hurt people. And that was enough that David didn't want to hear any more. Any more about the chief antagonist <laughs> of the series. <laughs> Dole it out. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. I, we, we really talked about I, it was superhero therapy and what Melanie's trying to accomplish with David. It feels almost like an NLP. Do you guys know anything about neuro-linguistic programming? Yeah. It's like quick approaches to uh, mental healing, I guess. Mm-hmm which are sort of dubious, I would say, but mm-hmm. sometimes they help people. Anyways, uh, she said she's never encountered a mind like David's before because parts of it are walled off. But I'm like, isn't everybody sort of like that? Right. You know, there's parts of us we don't we don't want to see. And, and I, I liked how <laughs> this episode, it didn't, you know, I think we said at the top of the podcast, it was more straightforward. There, It wasn't so much about wondering what's real or not, but it was still trippy because it was, an exploration of the psyche and it was it felt like a superhero therapy session to me and it, it it's you can tell that it did feel like therapy there he's uncomfortable having an audience come in and explore his vulnerabilities and like when they find out that he's a druggie he really didn't want to show that and he's like how is this helping me get amy back and i right. can almost imagine him in like a marriage therapy session saying sure. you know, screaming something like that like do we really have to go here mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's that's another way that the superhero stuff is presented in a more human relatable way and then i liked the the twisted aspects of it i already mentioned that about all this sexual stuff and and also oh yeah the scene where she can't touch him and then she goes into his head and then she's able to hug the little boy version of him that mm-hmm. really impacted me it, it was sweet and kind of heartening because it was like helping his inner child but it was a little bit weird <laughs> too <laughs> so i don't know what yeah there was a, there's a, the whole, a little bit of a, it's okay to touch the small boy Uh, (laughs) and just because they have a romantic relationship and now she's comforting him yeah that was always weird about like the time traveler's wife like you're boning Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. woman and then you're visiting her as a six-year-old girl and like how does that change her like there's a lot of um weird exploration there he said that if she comes with him. She'll see things and won't f- feel the same about him. But we didn't really get to see any of that, right? It was just all the freaky yeah. stuff with the demon. So we don't know what he was talking about. If anything, yet. she probably likes him more because she's he's even more of a wounded little puppy right. to to, uh, to to care for. Yeah, that's right from the pickup he's artist playbook. A, he's even more sympathetic, exactly. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. 
Okay, the little, that little kid's wearing a fedora in the dream, <laughs> the, the, the dreamscape. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let's move on. Uh, my number one, some uh, a moment that I really liked was seeing uh, the scenario here with Lenny and David when his girlfriend comes home and kind of the lead up to the big kitchen explosion scene that we we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it really fills in kind of a lot of what David was going through in that relationship and why that relationship fell apart. And, you know, it's, it's from both sides here, right? Like David is troubled and David is going to vapor to try and solve those problems or to at least uh, nullify uh, thinking about those problems. And it's having the effect of Philly not understanding what he's doing and, and looking at him and saying, you are being actively destructive, but we, we know that there are good reasons that David would, be acting that way and i think it it filled in a lot of gaps in you know what exactly that relationship felt like in the lead up to this big momentous event you mean the reason why is because she's chastising him because she caught him doing drugs yeah i mean i i think he feels guilty about it i think uh she probably in, in some ways rightfully so is uh, angry that he's ruined this dinner party or whatever they had going on with their friends uh, that he clearly knew about. It's it's clear that being a junkie was getting in the way of this relationship and him leading any kind of normal life. And you know we we understand why he was turning to vapor. Uh, so it's not it's not all a bad thing here. But uh, I don't know. I I appreciated seeing more of that, and it also led mm-hmm. to what I think was one of the funniest lines of this episode when. Lenny jumps up after David's girlfriend grabs a frog and says, unhand the reptile, space yeah. cop. <laughs> <laughs> She's just high out of her mind. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I um, – you mentioned about the – it's interesting that they're going in this other direction of like this, you know, the effects of him being a quote-unquote junkie. Right. And the, the and, and how that's kind of like uh, – because I've had I've, – I've talked to some therapists and they're like um, – that's like a kind of a, a therapy deal breaker. Like if you go for therapy and you're also suffering an addiction, like everything else stops until the addiction is taken care of, because that's just like, you know, you have to peel that. Like that's ob- That's so, such an obvious. How can you though, when the, when they're so intricately linked here in the case of David? Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I mean, I, I don't know and I'm not a therapist and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that that's a very tricky case, but like mm-hmm. insisting you treat this because it's such an obviously thing that's, that's warping you and causing you like in, 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 in most cases causing you to be dishonest and, and you know, and, and you see David, he's literally stealing from his therapist mm-hmm. uh, and psychologist to, to feed his habit um, that they are kind of like intrinsically linked, but also that you have to, you, you have to kick one. I was in, it's also interesting to me that I guess the clockworks place got him all cleaned out of that because he shows no sign of being addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the medication they had him on, right? But he's not, is he, yeah, I guess so, because he had the, 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 his first part of the going into the not Xavier Institute was like getting clean from all that, wasn't it? Or was that the first step of his clockwork induction? I remember there's a sequence of him getting, yeah, I don't remember, like having the shakes and uh-huh. kind of go, you know, getting, getting sober. But yeah, I think he's clean now. He's clean mm-hmm. now. He, and he said he was a junkie just before he went into clockworks. Right. Which makes sense. So this is my my final uh, not highlight but topic I want to talk about. Uh, the world's angriest boy in the world 
is a really cool conceit as far as this book, and it gives his set dad like this kind of weird benevolent but sinister side to him mm-hmm. and like it seems like the lessons they're teaching this kid is not something you'd want to teach a, a potentially all-powerful mutant whatever but i gotta say uh and i i like the yellow bastard i think he's a so suitably creepy visual but every time that big paper mache guy shows up in real life it instantly kills the scene for me i cannot yeah. take it seriously huh. <laughs> like i i feel like if they were going if they're going to do that they needed to make it like i would go more realistic like have it look like it's the angriest boy in the world not like with the big paper like just as a as a child and maybe having fangs and red eyes or or you know how they do like the, those the, 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 i just can't see have you guys seen the michael fassbender movie where he's in a band and he's got the giant paper mache head I haven't. Like, that's all I can see when this guy, and he turns around, they have the dramatic (laughs) strings playing, and I'm just, like, trying not to laugh because it's ridiculous. (laughs) And then... He's chasing him into the vent. And I'm like, well, there's no fucking way that guy's head's going to fit in there. And then, <laughs> right. then the yellow bastard comes like, well, that's no way he's going to fit in. And I get it. It's a dreamscape. It's dream logic. But it's memory. I, yeah. it, it, it all starts with the original failure of the paper mache hat head <laughs> is not in itself a menacing. They could. They should have gone with. Have you seen those? Like, this is the crooked oh, man from real life Doctor Zoidberg. Uh, sure, prosthetics or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those things are fucking scary. Right. They should have done <laughs> that. Yeah, it. yeah. Like having like have real life angriest boy ha- have have you know really bad skin or like uh-huh. you know I don't know. Like, there's ways you can visualize that to be scary. Mm. But this ain't it, and it really takes me out of these scenes every single time it's, huh. it it shows up. And I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm unique of of us three. I mean, I, I, I see where you're coming from for sure. Yeah, I see, but it worked for me. And now that you're uh-huh. saying it, I think ah, they could have made it scarier in other ways, but it, it didn't even occur to me. I just, especially the way it, when the little boy David encountered it in the backyard, and it just made a beeline straight for him, and uh-huh. it's just so weird. You don't see shit like that. So I was, mm-hmm. I, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know we're, we we've talked about this on. We just did a series of Insidious podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. There's this one, the, the big bad of The Conjuring 2, or one of the big bads. There's multiple. It's complicated. Lots of demons, lots of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, it's a crooked man. And Jim and I both agree. It's like every time he steps on the screen, it's like you can't make a Dr. Seuss-looking dude scary, no matter yeah. how <laughs> dark it is, no matter how young the child. It just doesn't. Like, how some many stuff strings just, you put in the score. And, and, and there are some things that are inherently not. It'd be like if a uh, kid's nightmare was – it's kind of like Ghostbusters Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. But that's a comedy, and you're supposed <laughs> right. to be like, oh, this guy – you to know, me, this it is... felt like Chucky almost, something like that. Okay. Know? I don't think Chucky's very scary either. Well, there you go. Okay, but Chucky's not isn't Chucky not meant to be really scary? It's more of like a a Creeps slasher comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's also scary at times, but yeah, yeah. it's. Just, I mean, it's meant. To, I, we can't belabor this too much, but it's like you know, you have your little doll, and you're like, what if this thing came to life and just started attacking me? That's a creepy thought. Or if this character came right out of this book. Came out oh, I mean, I guess like the original Chucky could be seen as scary, but by the time they got Jennifer Tiley oh, yeah. in a wedding oh, dress yeah, and yeah, his yeah. face is all covered in like prison, cheap prison scars, like there's just and can't... he's got a wife and they've got a kid, right? And... Uh huh. Oh, it's too much. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you might as well try to make the baby from Roger Rabbit be a villain. You know, it's just not going to work. <laughs> it, are you? It feels like it's it's uh, starting to drag a little bit. I mean. I want to to know 
what's going on with the dad, but I'm starting to not care. <laughs> oh yeah. A little bit. I mean, I'm not totally there yet, but, um, yeah, I've been thinking ever since you, cause we discussed this a little bit precast. I think the pacing is about a half an episode behind. Yeah. It's not like fatal, it's not but, egregious. Yeah. And, and no, I don't no. know if we, you know, we, if we're going to have a spoiler section or whatnot, but they do in the next scene, next week on seem like they're promising a little bit more progression. Mm-hmm. Nice. The director of this episode was Michael Uppendahl, who did a lot of Mad Men episodes and a bunch of other cool stuff. Weeds, Shameless, yep. Fargo. Break, didn't he do a decent number of Breaking Bad episodes? Did he? I wouldn't be I surprised. Don't know. Yeah. That's the, 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 I, I recognize the name from when I used to do the rundown of the directors and writers. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays Carrie, the scientist guy or whatever, he's uh-huh. Bill Irwin. I thought I recognized him, so I looked him up. He plays... Mr. Noodle on in Elmo's world on Sesame street where he like does all these contortions and things. And, uh, <laughs> he was Harold ham gravy in Robert Altman's Popeye flopping all around. <laughs> huh, <laughs> so wow. I wonder if we're going to see any of his talents right now. He's been fairly still. <laughs> uh, what else? I, I just had a couple of questions. So do you guys think we can take it at face value that all of this is pretty straightforward and real now that what we're seeing is what's really happening as opposed to, as opposed to, you know, early on in the first episode, you didn't quite really, I mean, I wasn't even sure Sid was a real person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything. uh, So the only thing that's up in the air for me still is Lenny. Like, I don't, I don't know if, if she is manifest in the real world in any kind of way, or if it's literally all just yeah, like is head. that like some kind? Because of, they also mentioned uh, it's interesting you, you you said that because that would also put in the context um, Sid's discussion about the soul and how like some people right. some people debate about whether what the people have a soul, but like you know I go mm-hmm. from body to body, but it's always whether it's an old Chinese man or a young woman or it's always me. Uh, it could like I guess the question is is Lenny, like somehow spiritually, a uh, 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 stowaway aboard his consciousness. Like, is that some echo of her or her her spo- right. her soul, um, or is it just you know a figment of his tormented imagination, mm-hmm. or is she just another way that the evil mutant mastermind, presumably that's behind all this, is is choosing to torment <laughs> David? Yeah, and if we can take uh, what Melanie has been saying at face value, then and that all his quote unquote illnesses are actually manifestations of his power, then that would potentially mean that Lenny is like a spiritual stowaway, like you said mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Cause he was kind of also mixed up with uh, Sid's power at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Lenny died, that was Sid in his body using his powers. And I don't know what residual she has of her own powers in that case, but who knows? I mean, maybe that somehow fused them together. My God, it's a mutant power key party. You're just swapping back and forth. <laughs> well, and She's not get... a very supportive friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing is, like, I don't think they, you know, even in the uh, mental institution. Wait a second. How sure are we that Lenny was a real person in the mental institution? Not like, entirely like sure. Because I'm just now realizing, what are the odds that right. this mutant power junkie and this other junkie would both be picked up and committed to the same institution at the exact same time, I'd say eighty percent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's entirely possible she's died a long time. Of course, you know we did see her pla- blasted through the the wall, right? Which right. 
Yeah, I was Which wondering that myself. Yeah. Is on that evidence. So I guess at but, this point, the longer they go without reading. wait, at that time, wasn't who who knows that she was blasted through the wall? That's because what I'm Sid saying. Saw it, but it was Lenny or it was uh, David in her body at that right. time. That's what I'm I, I'm I'm questioning about. Like, and, and the thing is, like, I guess in the margins, there's still room for things like that, where there it's not quite what we think it is, yeah. but. It's getting to the point where, like, five, if they do five episodes in, oh, this has all been taking place inside Clockworks. I'm going. That's that's going to be too Mr. Robot for me. Yeah, I feel like that real. too. It's a trope at this point. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it being pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, that's what it feels then like. Yeah. The last question I had. So at the very end, David stuck in his head. Everyone else got out. He's there with the circle of people yelling at him. What do you guys make of that? Anything? Man, I don't know. I don't know. That and the glowing red wall crack when we're in his memory mm-hmm. and like there are hands trying to reach through it. I I don't know what's going on. I I don't either, but one Cuz that seems like is that a is... separate phenomenon from the yellow bastard? I Maybe. wonder if all these people are not spiritual stowaways. Uh, oh, a legion, man. a legion of stowaways. Oh man! <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, that's there. You go. Like the whole. I mean, that, have we ever actually talked about the biblical reference of legion? Did we do that? In the no, first I podcast? don't think so. Uh-uh. I and I, I'm kind of surprised no one in the feedback. But like you know, right. and I always I kind of take it for granted that everyone's well versed in Bible stories um, because that's I'm the not. way I was raised. But uh, legion is the name of a demon that Jesus threw out of a madman that he met uh, in his preaching work. And uh, uh, the demon then possessed a herd of swine and drove it over the edge of a cliff. And and, uh, when Jesus asked the demon's name, it said, uh, my name is Legion for there are many of us. Like that they're like, they're essentially a whole bunch of demons gangbang in this guy's mind, which made him excessively strong. And like the stories about, they tried to chain, like people would try to go and chain him to treat him and he would break free from the chains and no one could subdue him. And he was just this terror along this road. Um, so to me, Legion, that's why I guess I was always surprised that they were immediately going away from the split personality because, you know, mm-hmm. when I hear Legion, I hear there's a lot of conflicting uh, entities inside one person. But if we're going down to where we've got a yellow bastard and we've got a Lenny and we've got a red claw and we've got, you know, these others, like maybe that he isn't crazy. He just literally has all this psychic detris in and trash in his in his mind. Could be fun to find out. Yeah. And that's make me think, because isn't there um, I don't know, maybe we can talk about it in the spoiler section, because there's there's uh there's there's a character that I kind of feel like is one an arch x-men nemesis that that might tie into this this red crack with the claws or something all right yeah let's do that let's save it for the end all right man that was great we covered it a couple of people were saying that they didn't feel like the episodes were long enough so here's a little bit longer one <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the listener responses it's, it's no better but there's twice as much of it so. yeah so there you go <laughs> all right who wants to go jim you go first Ashley Renfro says, I just experienced a fun hour of TV. The show was everything I wanted it to be tonight. It kept me on the edge of my seat, and I cannot wait to see what's next. That is what TV is supposed to be like. I'm a happy Legion watcher tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was very atmospheric. Um, there were moments in it that were a lot of fun. 
Uh, aside from, you know, maybe a, a little, doing a little crawl action here mm. uh, with the plot, I, I was super thrilled too. So I have a lot of happy fans out there. Uh, next up, is it Rima Joe or Rima Joe? Mm-hmm. Rima Joe. Rima Joe. Unfortunately, I will never be able to decide which is the correct pronunciation of my name, <laughs> of, her, of her name from here on out. But uh, says, things I'm loving on this show, conversations between da- uh, da- David. We hadn't gotten our David in yet. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's just, you, got, you can't sleep on that, Jim. You got, you got to be the, the David, David voice guy. And Sid, their interactions when they are trying to be close without physically touching, not knowing what the F is going on half the time, and the teleportation. Yes, that really happened. Loved how this show keeps me guessing, has sweet moments, but also scares the hell out of me with that creepy killer boy. Keep it coming. It's just it's just paper mache, Rima. It'll be okay. <laughs> it's just If it's just paper mache, it'll be okay. Just keep telling yourself that. <laughs> over and over. Lara <laughs> Willie Swink says, it just keeps getting better and better. This episode had everything. Suspense, chills, lovey time, sexy times. I'd say running around in your lover's memories, bad idea. Astral projection, teleportation, and leeches. Everything you need in an hour. And what's up with Carrie slash Carrie? She came out of nowhere. Does she walk through walls like Shadow Cat? Or are her and Carrie somehow the same person? I love this X-Men for grown-up series. Yeah, it's weird. I think she's always like training, like he's the brains and she's the brawn or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they're two people. I wish I could do that. I wish I could have my body training while my mind was also learning things. You can. It's called listening to podcasts while you're working out. <laughs> uh, yeah, learning things. <laughs> listening to something. It's called um, stationary bike and podcast. <laughs> I think they're kind of like, do you guys know, uh, what the fuck? Firestorm. From no. uh, you mean from the old, from the old Spider-Man and friends or it was Spider-Man, Iceman, no, that's Firestorm. Firestar. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Firestorm no, I- is this character who looks kind of like Firestar, but is male. And there's a professor and a student and they merge together into this one being that flies around and does stuff. Huh? Hmm. Okay. Uh, that reminds me of the uh, <laughs> of the. Do you remember the old Inhumanoids cartoon? Vaguely. There was this one character called Magnacore who like split up into like an ice and a fire half, and he had magnetic powers, and he's like two. It's like I don't know, very, very. I yeah. I someone surely know, has seen the Inhumanoids and knows what I'm talking about, and they'll be like, yeah, right on. But <laughs> probably like not the many. 70s, right? I haven't thought about. No, that it was like was... in the late 80s, early 90s. It? Okay. it was part of like it was on the same network to show Jim and the Holograms, and I was always like on on Saturday morning, my sister and I get up and was like, is it going to be Inhumanoids? Or is it going to be Jim? God damn it, it's Jim and the Holograms. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> now you and Jim do the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Walking you're, dead so that implies or? you're a hologram. <laughs> All right. I just know turn? I'm truly, truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> Jim's turn. All right, Sean in Houston. Hey guys, I feel like I feel like we should have Jason reading this email, but I'm going to do it anyway. You want? I can read it. No, nope, no. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do what we don't do on our own podcast. I can do here. Uh, one of your many paying bosses here. I love you guys and all the podcasts you do. You guys crack me up. The wife hearing me with my headphones laughing all the time makes her believe I have issues. Uh, she doesn't understand what we, you and I, have together. And at this point, I was thinking, hmm, who, who's he talking about? Is he talking about Podcastica or is he right. talking about Bald Move? 
Then he goes on. Okay, the heart of the matter. One of the reasons I love you guys' podcast is because of the format you tackle when reviewing shows. You guys take it scene by scene in order and do it right. This helps me remember each scene perfectly. It helps the cast flow smoothly and the way the listener can remember, and that way the listener can remember what order the show went and how it connects to the other scenes. It drives me insane when podcasters format the show like that. Uh, you broke my delicate heart with that top three format for the Legion podcast. Uh, the way each host jumps around from scene to scene, mucking the, f- the flow all up. I know Jason has you guys doing it like this because <laughs> that's his thing, but please, please, please change it back to the awesome bald move, dissecting each scene that makes bald move stand above the rest. What do I need to get that to happen? I'll do anything. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Pay us so- more. No. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the I guess the conversation was about the format because this is something that Jim yeah. and I talk about all the time about like you know for our shows yeah what's better and I don't think it's there's one format for every show that works like do you have the yep. long form recap or do you have the quick hits what we call the half ass podcast or is it more like a topical discussion or and and also it's it's very three people podcasts are harder than two people podcasts. Because mm-hmm. it's just harder to get that flow, especially with one of them's remote. And I feel like that uh, this format is kind of a way to ease us all three into because it's 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 designed to be like okay, here's your but here's the conch. Now you talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, now here's the conch. Now you talk. Where you know if if you just had one person as a recapper and you got two color guys, like when do they jump in? And is somebody like I already have a problem talking too much. I feel like. So what are your thoughts on this feedback, Jason? I think it sucks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Uh, no, I, well, the, I'll tell you the reason why we do this the way we do. And Walking Dead cast is my main podcast, in case people don't know. And uh, it's because I used to listen to a lot of other TV podcasts. And it would bother me when they would get on and just recap the episode they would just give you a play-by-play of this episode that i just saw and i'm a huge fan a fan enough to go out and get a podcast so i obviously Mm -hmm. already know what happened but i i have to say that you guys are one of the few if not the only one that i've heard do it kind of that way that make it great because you don't just recap the episode you pause at each moment and dissect it and go into it so uh, I think, I mean, I, I listen to you guys every once in a while and, and I think it's awesome. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's, uh, I, I think about it like, uh, you know, when I'm going to talk about an episode of a show that I just watched with somebody, I'm going to pick the scene that everybody's going to be talking about right. you know, around the proverbial water cooler the next day. I'm not going to talk about <laughs> it in order. So it just feels a little more natural to me. I actually never thought about the way you just said how it would work better for three people because you don't need two color guys and you can pass the conch around. That's another great reason, too, though. But I don't oh, know. You should have credit you know, for it. Another <laughs> thing is, I know, but one thing I when we got together and we're planning out how to do this, uh, I my proposal was because it's sort of a multiple personality show and a multiple personality podcast was that we would switch every other episode, do my format one episode and do yours another, mm-hmm. and then you guys said, "Now nah, let's just do yours." Yeah, I was kind of interested to we're try a new format. People. Well, that <laughs> a yeah, and B, I was also interested to try a new format because I don't know if I if I can get an opportunity to experiment with different formats, we can see what does and doesn't work. Uh, and you know, what do you think so far? Does. Uh, I still think I'm agreeing with Sean here in Houston. 
not yeah. a, not a massive fan of the three the three person three point thing. Well, it's just tough because like I, there's not nine highlights in every episode, so I find myself cheating and thinking, well, this is something I want to talk about, but kind of bitch about. Or, or there are a so. lot of things I want to talk about, but not like hugely in depth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just like one off things that I want to mention that I don't get around to because I've got my three points and that's it. But I will say to Sean's point that like if you ask people their opinion. It's sharply divided. Like some people love the full-on recap podcast for all the reasons you say, mm-hmm. um, and but there's some people that absolutely detest it because of the reasons. They're like every minute you spend re- re- telling me what just happened on a show I watched 24 hours ago is m- minutes that I'm essentially wasting of my life, and it's like yeah. you know. Uh, so there is definite tension between the two different types, mm-hmm. and there's 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 pros and cons for all of them. All right, we're going to wrap up the main part of the podcast now. Thanks for listening, everybody. There's some news at the end. Most of it's not spoilery. There's a little bit that's uh, got some vague information about the future of the series that's a little bit spoilery. So we're going to leave that for after, and then we're going to talk about what's going on next week on Legion. But for now, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at legion at baldmove.com. You can also find us on the web at facebook.com slash legionpod. And be sure to check us out at our other shows at podcastica.com. I, Wait, I see what how you did, did that here. happen? What? You, what? You, 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 you wrote the notes. You just rolled bald move out of it, man. <laughs> that, was, that was an accident. I'm, I think I'm that so was a reaction to Sean's email. That's, that's, that's not the move of a confident podcaster, I'm just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> just a little joke. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Now let's get into some news. Just a few things here. So the Legion costume designer, Carol Case, talked to Racked.com about her approach to the series uh, regarding the Adidas-esque burnt orange tracksuits worn by inhabitants of Clockworks. She said, we initially tried a bunch of space AG looks that didn't feel right for the patients, which sounds I'm glad they didn't go with that. I think she did exactly the right thing. Were they like colanders on their heads with mm-hmm. aluminum pipes coming out? <laughs> like like Young David? I liked Young David's costume. It was very retro, sci-fi, horror schlock. It was cool. All right. <laughs> In general, she says, we took a lot of color choices from 60s rock bands, the golds and yellows and oranges and greens. Back when we first started working on the show, Noah said he wanted it to look like David was rescued by the kinks. So that's where we got <laughs> our color palette. <laughs> And then also, she said, but we didn't want anyone to be too locked into that 60s feel because we were ultimately going for a no-period look. It was fun taking a retro silhouette and rebuilding it in a more modern fabric or taking vintage pieces and styling them with modern ones. So kind of confirming some things that we've been theorizing about what they were going for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next, Gene Smart, who plays Melanie Bird, was interviewed by Vulture. They said, Legion's a little off the beaten path. How did Noah pitch you on it? She says, he said, I'm doing a new show that I want to talk to you about. Basically, I just said, well, whatever, whatever's in there. I didn't really even know what it was about. So he literally just said, I'm doing a show. And you said, let's do it. She says, yes. (laughs) So uh, she said she likes the nurturing nature of her character. And she's a Virgo. And she made cupcakes with little X's on them for the cast. But I kind of wonder if she's like, oh, this character's not quite as interesting as my Fargo character, you know? Oh, I don't yet. know. You don't know I about do, that? I, okay. I, too, am a Virgo, so I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to answer this question. <laughs> no, I mean, I. she was definitely nurturing on Fargo, too. True. But she also had kind of like this, you know... In her like, way? 
And I know, I mean, like, definitely with, like, Keeping you the know, family her together. affection for her grandsons and her children and, you know, even her, uh, you know, invalid husband. Uh, but she also had this, like, steely core. And I feel like this is the same way. Like, she is a revolutionary leading uh, a squad in the war. Like, don't ever forget, she's got an end game in mind for David and, and his powers. But she's also, like, cares for the people under her charge. So I feel like they're they're... They're, they're kind of similar in tone, honestly. Do you buy what Lenny said that her secrets have secrets? Oh, of course. But, you know, <laughs> part of that is could be like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. That's like, that's pretty well-worn Marvel territory, right? Like, you know, what's Nick Fury actually know? And, you know, if should the Avengers be governed by some kind of accord? And should they not? And are we being told the actual truth? And... You know that's 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 a constant, especially in X Men. It seems 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 to you know uh, very much trade and counterculture a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's definitely a, a hobby horse that they like to they use. Yep, keep it interesting. They got to tell stories about the same characters for seventy five years. So and, and nobody nobody is all good and and all bad. You know, so there's always shades of gray if they're a sufficiently well written enough character. Not even you guys? Oh, God, no. I <laughs> know. <right. laughs> I'm, so. I'm a terrible human being. If, <laughs> if you've listened to me for any length of time, you'd know that. <laughs> I know. It's rhetorical. Rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> so Rachel, Rachel Keller, who plays Sid with a Hollywood Reporter, this is the one that has kind of vague stuff about the future of the series. So they say, at the end of episode three, everyone's awake again except for David. What are we getting into from here? She says, with the next episode and really the whole series, I think what I'm most excited about is how different each of the episodes are. When I watched the pilot and then watched episode two and three, it almost felt like a different show each time. I think we're given such a great lens through the X-Men genre, but we're also playing with film noir and thrillers and romantic comedy. It's a very director-driven show. It almost It's almost like the episode prior doesn't set you up for how the next episode is going to go. It will connect, it will, but you have to experience it. You have to go on the ride and let the episode wash over you again. I think that's the magic of it. That actually wasn't very spoilery at all, but anyway, it's nice to hear. Okay, now, uh, I didn't actually uh, put in a next week section, but you guys watched the the teasers, right? So what's yeah. going on? Uh, it seems like we're going to find out that David is definitely covering up some memories, potentially with this angriest boy. Uh, motif. He's like trying to cover it up. Right. And that that's part of it is what kind of what I took away from, from that. Aaron, didn't you say you had something else you wanted to. Oh, about the, about the red King. Is that, am I like, um, I don't know. I don't know. This could be dangerous. My little Marvel knowledge, but there was, um, I thought there was some kind of Red King, or maybe it was Black King, that... Shadow uh, was King. Shadow King. Yeah. Wasn't he frequently, like, whenever Charles would um, encounter him in the astral plane, like, she, seen as, like, this red-hued, like, almost dragon figure with claws and whatnot? And when that those those that red crack came through into his memory and those claw hands started coming out of it, I started thinking, like, mm. is that something that I should have on my radar or is this out of Legion's league or are those historically not arch enemies? 
Yeah, the Shadow King, I think, ended up being a manifestation yeah, of uh, Amal Farouk, who was one of Professor X's old enemies or something. And um, I feel like what Noah Hawley is doing with the series, we kind of touched on this before, for better or for worse, is he's just like taking stuff from the X-Men universe and building his own versions of it, you know? Mm. I mean, with Melanie Bird and all these people, it's just like she's Professor X. Their their whole charge is to bring mutants together and train them. So maybe this is inspired by the Shadow King, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's interesting because I'm still waiting for teases that the X-Men exist in this world where you're saying that the X-Men probably don't. This I mean, is a self-contained. I think... have, have they ever answered whether this is they consider as part of the MCU? I think he they're leaving the door open for that. But Noah Hawley wants the show to prove itself first. Hmm. And so they're just doing analogs instead, which is kind of funny. But um, I think it's possible that in the future we will see characters that we know. But right now I think he wants it to stand on its own. So he's making original characters. Right? Okay. That's the only thing I wanted to, 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 to call the red black shadow king in the question (laughs) right on okay guys that's it thank you everybody for listening we'll see you next week all right see you